0: Welcome to Explore the Space, we're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now, here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro.
1: Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro. Before we get to today's episode, a thank you to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring us. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months, or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu C-H-E-E to learn more. My guest in this episode is Kevin Schmiegel, and Kevin is the CEO of Operation Gratitude. He's also a retired Lieutenant Colonel in the Marine Corps. Operation Gratitude is the largest nonprofit in the country for hands-on volunteerism in support of the military, veterans, and first responders. And in the course of the year 2020, Operation Gratitude has expanded their essential operations to support doctors, nurses, and hospitals during the COVID-19 pandemic. A great friend of the podcast, Mark Hurtling, connected Kevin and I, and I am really grateful that he did. In this episode, we discuss how service, how gratitude are crucial to bridging divides in our society, why Operation Gratitude made this decision to expand their operations to support the medical community, and a really interesting discussion in effective ways to respond to someone when they say to you, thank you for your service. This is something that I and many others in healthcare are privileged to hear people say to us now but also may not have the toolbox, the resources and the mindset to really make the most of the opportunity that comes when somebody says to you, thank you for your service. There are also fantastic links in the show notes to this episode for you to learn more about Operation Gratitude, for you to connect with Operation Gratitude, to do virtual volunteerism, to donate money, time, whatever would feel useful to you. And for those of you in healthcare, this is a great episode to share with people who are not in healthcare. Explore the spaces all about this idea of bridging divides, of bringing people closer together. And in a time where it feels like we are divided in many ways... This is how we can start to pull ourselves together to use service, to use gratitude, especially in this time of year. Before we get to the conversation, we'd just like to remind everyone, please do subscribe to Explore the Space, wherever you like to download your shows, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, we're on all of them. You can find me on Twitter at ETS Show. You can email me, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. Definitely check out the archive of the show as well, www.explorethespaceshow.com. If you have the opportunity to leave us a rating and a review wherever you download your shows as well, that really helps us out. Again, we are coming into the, the holiday season. We're coming into a time where we start to think about how we can contribute, how we can give, what we are grateful for. And this episode with Kevin really sets a great framework and a great mindset and obviously introduces a lot of us to Operation Gratitude and the incredible work they're doing. Operation Gratitude also has the ability to be extremely agile, just as they have pivoted to support healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, and hospitals all around the country. They connected with me to create a dedicated resource to support Cal Fire and firefighters in Northern California as we dealt with a really horrific wildfire season here. There is a link if that is something you would like to contribute to as well. That link is also in the show notes, and I would really encourage you to take a look and to think about if that would be a place where you'd like to contribute as well. So without further ado, Kevin Schmiegel. Kevin, welcome to explore the space. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm I'm moved and touched that you're here today.
0: Well, Mark, I can say the same thing. Thank you so much for having me in this opportunity to talk about operation gratitude today.
1: I always like to take that sort of broad perspective and, and that high strategic look. You, know, you and I have been able to talk over the last few months, and, and I've learned a great deal about Operation Gratitude. And it's been – you know it's one of those things when you like open a book and you're like, oh my gosh, this thing exists. And I was so excited to understand it. And as we get into this conversation around the work that Operation Gratitude does and the work that you have been doing for the bulk of your adult life – I do want to just acknowledge that strategic view of where you and I are having this conversation. So as we're recording today, it is the day before Veterans Day. It is the birthday of the Marine Corps. The Affordable Care Act is being argued in front of the Supreme Court today. We're a week out from one of the most fraught elections in our nation's history, and certainly the most fraught election of my lifetime. We're in the midst of a pandemic, and where I live at least, Northern California, we are just barely on the edges, finally hoping to see some rain tomorrow to get out of a horrifying wildfire season. So that is, we take a deep breath when we say all that, but that's where you and I sit as we're recording this today.
0: Well, I think it really is a demonstration that life is all about relationships and intersections and the fact that our paths crossed at a time where our country is more divided than ever. And we have in our beliefs, in our calling to serve a common uh, thread that talks about bridging divides and bringing communities together. And that is why I'm so excited to be here as a 20 year Marine veteran on the 245th birthday of the United States Marine Corps and the day before Veterans Day to to talk to you and to talk to your listeners.
1: That is that is really wonderful. And, you know, I've spent time thinking about this bridging of divides. It's obviously a core part of Explore the Space podcast, this idea of how do we bring healthcare closer together to those who seek it, which is why I pointed out that the Affordable Care Act is in front of the Supreme Court today. One of the words that I've been sitting with, though, is the word giving. And how does giving fit into that space as I've learned more about Operation Gratitude? And so I want to just reflect that word to you as a starting point, because I don't want it to just sound like that platitude and I don't want it to fit into the narrative of quote unquote the holiday season where it's the season of giving. I don't like those terms that almost smack of like marketing. I want it to, let's get into the roots of it because it's something that I think is critical to what we're going to be talking about. What does the word giving sound and feel like to you?
0: Well, to me, the word giving is completely analogous to the word service. And I think I say that in the context, again, of what our country is going through right now. America is divided. Our communities are divided. And Americans are divided because they're focused on what makes us different instead of the things we have in common, like our passion for service, like our passion for giving back to others and serving others. And really the belief that America is and always will be the greatest nation on Earth. And to me, that is what I love most about Operation Gratitude And efforts like yours, there's this recognition that giving service is that common thread uh, that all Americans share. And right now, in a time when our country is focused on, again, what makes us different, we're just coming off the heels of an election where people are laser focused on what makes them different. You can literally see the country almost divided in half. I think we need to get back to a place In honor of service, in honor of giving, right around the Marine Corps' birthday, right around Veterans Day, right around the season of giving, right, from Thanksgiving to the end of the year, focused on service and gratitude and acts of kindness, I think there's an incredible opportunity.
1: There's that phrase that I love. You and I were talking about this a little bit before we started recording that comes from Lincoln's second inaugural address, the better angels of our nature. And as I'm listening to you, right, you and I were talking about it. So I'm a little bit preloaded, but as I'm hearing you speak, that's what, that's what I feel like you're talking about. I feel like you're talking about the better angels of our nature. There's a lot of them, but that idea of looking to your left, looking to your right, looking forward and looking behind you and seeing who can you lift up before you lift yourself up. That just feels, it feels right somehow.
0: Well, I say this not only as the CEO of Operation Gratitude and an organization that is the largest nonprofit in the country for hands-on volunteerism and support of our military veterans and first responders. I say this as someone who, in the 16 months leading up to COVID, saw not just every month in L.A., but in nine other cities, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Florida. Washington, D.C., Philly, Baltimore, New York City, Nashville, Cincinnati, and San Diego. I saw thousands of people come together, every walk of life, race, color, creed, politic, differing viewpoints come together in service and bring those communities together in a way that I've never seen before. I also say it as someone who over the last eight months in the midst of COVID, have been part of an organization that has achieved more impact than ever because our volunteers stepped up to support frontline responders, not only deployed troops and veterans as we always do, but 400,000 doctors and nurses and hospitals, first responders, police officers, firefighters and EMTs, and National Guardsmen who are literally deployed here domestically. I say that in that context and also just walking to a parking lot this week, this past weekend, around dinner time, and seeing a homeless veteran who I spoke to, who served in First Cavalry during the Vietnam War, who's standing outside with a cart because he lost his small business, and seeing a line of people coming out of the store as I got ready to join them and join the back of the line, putting a bag of orange and oranges in his in his cart, a bag, uh, a loaf of bread of uh, fresh fruits and vegetables and other items and snack items that he could enjoy because they just wanted to serve and give back. And I-, I realized that the better angels that you allude to exist all over this country. If we if we stop to close our eyes and not see the differences and just listen to what people have in common, it is those better angels. Every Every American I know, whether they're in uniform, or whether they're in civilian clothing, they want to serve our country and they want to serve one another.
1: The thing that I like the most about what you've just described is you, it feels to me at least that operation gratitude and the mission of you and your entire team is it's, it's giving people the levers to pull, to actually take those actions. And, and when we empower people to take these sorts of actions, It's really, really special, but do you feel like there is an inertia around it? Do you feel like it is difficult to give people the launch, even with the the road laid clear of how to do it?
0: You know, I, I think if you give people opportunities, they will respond. And this is a testament to what our founder started with Operation Gratitude around her dining room table 17 and a half years ago to show a young soldier who had lost everyone in his life, his mother, his wife, his son, and was going back to a combat zone. And she wanted to show him that there were people back home who cared. She gathered a few friends and around her dining room table assembled four care packages that went to four soldiers who she didn't know on the day the invasion of Iraq started. In 2003, fast forward 17 years later, and on February 29th of this year, I was in a 35,000 square foot warehouse with 1,100 Grateful Americans in Southern California who assembled 15,000 care packages with 600,000 individual items in just three hours. Those care packages each had a hand-knit or crocheted scarf. Wow. Each... Each care package had a handmade paracord survival bracelet and a packet of seven to ten letters of appreciation because people people were drawn to that. It is a grassroots movement, and it's going to take a grassroots movement to solve for some of the divides that we have right now in this country.
1: One of the divides that's emerged, and as I'm hearing you say that, you know, I know we've talked about this again a little bit. One of those divides that's emerged, too, has been around – those who are trying to provide healthcare, those who are trying to inform the public about COVID-19, you know, state to state, region to region, we're seeing very different responses towards physicians, nurses, scientists, researchers, and the public. It's becoming a growing problem. Um, I have friends all over the country, and we talk about this stuff. There are, are very clear, again, divides, not to overuse that word, but divides in how to approach the COVID-19 pandemic, and it is starting to reflect and backlash against those who are in the hospital and in the clinic and in the lab, and it's really starting to affect morale. As we're seeing those numbers surge of people who are infected across the country, the morale of those who are trying to do the work is is on the wane and i don't say that lightly it's it's alarming and i don't say that frivolously it's it's a, it's a it's a huge problem but i also know that when you're in a community where you feel like you're shoulder to shoulder with your community it makes a huge difference and i can say that cuz that's the community that i live in and i'm very very fortunate to be in that place I know that Operation Gratitude is beginning to step into that place and to step into that tension, as well as you mentioned, serving nurses and paramedics and doctors and you know healthcare organizations and healthcare professionals. What does that tension look and feel like to you? I mean, you have real expertise in this from so many other challenges. What does it look like to you?
0: Well, I think that's the reason we're at the place we are now as an organization, because um, make no mistake about it. Operation Gratitude is not just an organization that does care packages or says, thank you for your service. That is the start of a conversation. A care package is a vehicle uh, for the expression of appreciation, but a means to an end to create understanding, empathy, and ultimately build bridges between civilians and servicemen and women and their families. And historically, that's included deployed troops. And when the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan waned, we branched out to include veterans, wounded heroes, and caregivers, military families, recruit graduates. And about three years ago, we included first responders in response to COVID 19. And, you know, as intersections would have it, our founder's father was the chief medical officer uh, at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. And when COVID hit, I, as a veteran, I, as someone who had 20 years of experience in combat, realized that doctors and nurses uh, were fighting an invisible enemy and they were our frontline defense against COVID-19. And we started reaching out one by one to hospitals in New York and Seattle and LA to make a difference and to listen to them and to hear the challenges that they were having. And when when a young doctor, a resident in the NYU hospital network says it's so refreshing to talk to an organization that's run by veterans who understand exactly what it means. When we say the emergency room is like a battlefield and the indescribable conditions that we face, I knew we were doing the right thing for the right reasons. And, you know, since March 22nd, we have supported 200,000 doctors and nurses in hospitals across the country and we will not stop because make no mistake about it mark this if it's not if it's not is still the first wave we're hitting our second wave and there could be a third wave and a fourth wave and when it does end our doctors and nurses have to go right back into the emergency rooms they've got to go right back into the clinics they got to go right back into serving they don't get a break and we're going to continue with a second wave of gratitude and a third wave of gratitude to let them know and you know what Operation Gratitude is including them in the future uh, as part of our efforts, as part of our five year plan to build communities, to reunite the country, to bring civilians together with men and women in uniform and their families to create that understanding, that empathy and those bridges that we need to strengthen our communities. Make no mistake about it. The strength, the courage, the resolve, the resilience that our military, our first responders, our doctors and nurses will have will be a direct reflection of the support that they feel in those communities. And they want to have those conversations too, because when they do have those conversations that start with a thank you, that start with a care package even they start to ask the next questions back and forth civilians ask what it's like to do a shift in a hospital or what it's like to walk a patrol as a police officer or what it's like to deploy for months on end if you're a service member and in return because they're going beyond saying thank you the service member realizes that those civilians are serving too and that they that they share the same neighbors their students are their children go to the same schools they eat at the same restaurant, right? You know, this is this is what we need to talk about. And I, I also think that you know, doctors and nurses in our medical profession can reach back, reach back to veterans, reach back to first responders, and we can bridge divides even amongst the service community to talk about some of the challenges that doctors and nurses are gonna face as we come out of this war against COVID, because they're gonna have issues of PTSD. They're going to have issues that they have to deal with as they assimilate back into their families, back into their communities and some sense of normalcy. And that that mark is all about community and and people coming together. And and we're going to be a part of that.
1: Do you ever get calls from people to just have the conversation that you just described to me? Because I am so moved and touched to hear it reflected to me in that way for you and for like, do you get those calls of from physicians nurses saying I- i'm i'm struggling i i need to hear
0: absolutely yeah not, not yeah. from doctors and nurses just like we get them from deployed troops yeah veterans wounded heroes and caregivers and first responders i mean not all, over 17 and a half years but particularly during covid and you know, it's more than that. What, what we do for, we'll we'll cross the 3 million milestone in heroes impacted, servicemen and women impacted. That that translates to 30 million uh, or more or 60 million because every time we lift the spirits and boost the morale of a service member, a veteran, a wounded hero, caregiver, first responder, or a doctor or nurse, their families feel better too. Their husbands, their wives, their daughters, their sons, their mothers, their fathers, aunts, uncles, cousins, and friends, because they know that they're they're the person who's in the fight is being comforted. I I also think it's hard
1: to find the comfort that we're used to. One of the things that I think is making this more difficult, you know, I've looked through your website and, and all of the great images and videos that are there. The thing that's missing for us in healthcare, the things that bring that same level of comfort that we can't get, I can't shake your hand. It's hard to sometimes see into your eyes because I've got a a visor on. We can't give each other a hug. We can't even come together at a dinner table. We can't comfort each other in the ways that we're used to. And I think that that's making this
0: a lot harder. Yeah, I think that loss of human connection has been really difficult. And I think we're all feeling it. And this is where we can create empathy in all directions, right? Because we're all going through this. I'm very careful in the context of what I do to not evoke sympathy and pity for our service members, veterans, first responders, and doctors and nurses, this is not about sympathy. It's about empathy. This is not about pity. This is about bolstering that strength and courage and resolve and resilience. So I, I don't, I don't go too far to say our servicemen and women and their families need more than we're giving them. I don't think that's the right approach. I think it's more important to talk about the common challenges that we have and what we miss most as, as human beings. And that is that connection point. Um, the only thing that we can do, and I'll just real quickly is we can provide these virtual volunteer opportunities for people to make something with their hands that gets delivered. And a, a doctor... Uh, at Temple University in Philadelphia said that the care packages, that the handwritten letters and the cards the kids sent them actually lifted the spirits and saved lives because it improved patient care, because doctors and nurses were in a better mood. Their spirits were lifted, their morale was boosted, and they were able to provide better care. And that is really important to, to me as someone who, who understands the challenges that they're going through.
1: I I agree with that. I, I also want to get some insight from you around the idea of thank you for your service, because it has started to be a statement that is given in good spirit and best intention to healthcare professionals. It is meant to be that form of connection. And I know it is genuine. And in talking with my friends and colleagues, we don't. Have a good filled toolbox of how to take it on board and to start that conversation. Like you described, it's happened to me where people have said, Mark, thank you for your service. And I, right. I'm, I'm a pretty erudite, talkative conversationalist. I freeze. I don't know what to say. And I would be very grateful if you could give us some of the tools and structures that you've used, acknowledging 20 years in combat as a Marine. To walk through that conversation so that the person feels validated, so that the person receiving it feels good, and that we start a conversation because I think sometimes it can precipitate a level of awkwardness that's not intended, but it, it exists.
0: Oh, well, I think it's, it's such a great question. And I'll start by giving an example because one of Operation Gratitude's board members is a, an Afghanistan veteran. And his wife is uh, is a doctor, a resident in a hospital in in New York City, and she struggled with exactly the same thing. And what, or who better a person than a Marine who fought in Afghanistan to help her through the same struggle that you just pointed out when people were coming up to her and saying thank you for your service? She didn't really know how to respond. She didn't know how to deal with it. She didn't. She didn't feel like she deserved it, and. I think for me, there. this is a great conversation. I wrote a, a blog today in a magazine called The Hill, which is a, a pretty prominent publication in Washington, D.C. Um, that a lot of people follow that have influence on a lot of different issues, mostly policy issues. But I talked about this notion that saying thank you for your service. Other nonprofit leaders who I work with in the veteran space, people have said that it doesn't mean anything or is disingenuous. And I think that actually exacerbates the divide. I think not showing gratitude in the face of gratitude uh, is counterproductive. And you know we need more gratitude right now. We need people to embrace that. And the best way to that I've ever learned of acknowledging someone saying thank you for your service, is saying, thank you for your support. And in the in my mind, thank you for that support and the recognition of the sacrifices that I made and that my family made while I was serving for 20 years in the Marine Corps to include spending a thousand nights away from my own children, not tucking them into bed, not having dinner with them and not having to hear how their days went. So the best way to cope with it is to acknowledge that You know, a grateful nation that serves together is a united nation. And that gratitude is reciprocated, Mark, by military veterans and first responders. If there was advice I would give to doctors and nurses is to express gratitude back and to acknowledge that the person who's saying that, the person who's giving back in any way they can right now to people on the front lines of the pandemic, they're serving too. And that is the common bond, right? There's this recognition of around service and there's this recognition ag- around gratitude and it's being expressed in both directions and being utilized in both directions. And that's a great way to kind of think about this person is coming up, It, it it's error opportunity because they don't know how to express gratitude in the right way, it's not cliche. And what we all have to remember is that should be the start of a conversation that creates a meaningful connection that builds understanding, empathy, and bridges divide. And we all have to treat it that way and not feel awkward and have that next step conversation. Um, And then we'll we'll create a better understanding of what service is. And do we wanna use words like selfless? Do we wanna use words like sacrifice? Yeah, why not? Why not talk about what it's like if you're a police officer to have to pull your child away from a front door because they're afraid They're trying to blockade you to the house because they're afraid you might not come back. Talk about I can talk about what it's like to drop my or to get dropped off at Dulles Airport for in 2008 and say goodbye to my family for a year going to Israel and what it was like to not be able to console my son because I wasn't going to see him for the next 12 months or what it's like for a doctor and nurse right now in the midst of this pandemic to be worried about their own health and their family's health and And some of them not in, you know, for some parts of this, not even staying in their own households, a lot of similar similarities there, but it saying, thank you for your service is the start. We just need to go a step beyond that. And if people all view it that way, we, we have to meet in the middle. It's on the servicemen and women and their families to talk freely and openly about their service and sacrifices too, because they're modest, humble people who treat this as a profession and as something that they're committed to, but they have to They have to create that understanding, too. So people feel more comfortable having those conversations.
1: Acknowledging that this is extraordinary and I am grateful to you. I want to ask something else because I imagine you've been in this space, too. I I get a lot of cognitive dissonance around signage, around banners on buildings, heroes work here, this sort of thing on hospitals and clinics, this is just me. I don't know if it's like this for other people. I have a hard time taking it on board as a positive, and I don't know why. I know you've seen, obviously, a nation festooned with that sort of thing, again, with the best of intention. Is that cognitive dissonance a common experience, and how do we walk through that so that it can just be accepted as a good?
0: Yeah, I think we need to accept it in the spirit that it's displayed and yeah. take it at take it at that with with the exception of one comment that I hope people will hear and understand. I do think servicemen and women, as I said before, are humble and modest people and getting special treatment oftentimes makes them feel um, more distant. Yeah. Like they yeah. are being singled out for their service. So I think
1: that's it. I think you just nailed it. I really do. Yeah. I think the hospital is <laughs> no different than it was a year ago. I don't do things any differently than I did a year ago, aside from wearing PPE. I think that that's it.
0: Yeah. And I think people just have to recognize that and, and not, not be afraid to say thank you or express that gratitude, but <laughs> go the next step. And yeah. It is an awkward moment. i've been in I've been at deliveries now to um, military families, to first responders, um, and we walk in the room and you exchange these care packages, and I talk for a couple minutes and you say thank you for your service as you're handing this care package out. and they're looking right in each other's eyes, right? And there is a recognition. And it's so quiet for even a few minutes after that. But as I always stop, I listen, and I close my eyes. And you can literally hear the voices rising, because they start to share those intimate details about what their day is like, or not so intimate details. It's just a conversation that they're having. And like I said, it They just get to know each other. And what's great is, you know, what is that next step beyond? What is going a a step further than saying thank you or putting a sign out in front of a store or in front of a hospital? It's having that conversation. That's what we really want as, as servicemen and women. More than we want a thank you in five words or a sign in front of the places where we work or the places where we live in and those conversations are what's going to make the difference because people will feel less comfortable having conversations about the things that divide us and this cannot happen in this country right now we we cannot have a civilian service divide operation gratitude's mission is to forge strong bonds between americans and they're military and first responder heroes. And I'm using doctors and nurses in that context. And I'm using the word heroes because our volunteers want us to use it. And to forge bonds means to bridge divides. And that divide is not a lack of appreciation. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a million volunteers. That, lack of, that, that divide is a lack of understanding. And the best way to solve for that is to, to have those conversations. And that's what we're doing.
1: So as we walk into this portion of the year where people's attention does in large part turn to how can I give, how can I serve, how can I do these things where hopefully we have some introspection and then reflect it outward. Obviously, you have created this extraordinary organization that, right, the term I love, it's pluripotent. It can do so many different things. It can do them quickly. You can be incredibly agile. What sort of things do you hope to see over the next few months from individual Americans that are going to look up Operation Gratitude online, are going to find you on social media? What's the invitation?
0: So I, I think this is all about building community, and this has to happen at the local level to affect change. You have to you have to create a grassroots movement and. The very nature of the words grassroots movement is that it happens at the local level. And the direction for Operation Gratitude is to further realize these connection points in communities. And when you have a million volunteers across the country, again, and you can tell where they are because we use Salesforce as our CRM tool. And we can tell you within the zip code where you're sitting, Mark, right now. How many volunteers we have within a 20 mile radius? Well, you activate and mobilize those volunteers in a way where they can take action themselves. And that's a hard step to take as an organization, but it is about local community activism and getting more involved. Now, we will always have this national umbrella where we bring people together, we take all the items that they donate time, treasure, and talent to to give us, to give back, and we put them in care packages Again, as a means to an end, as a vehicle to express appreciation. That doesn't mean that people can't do things at the local level. Listen, we're getting right now across the country even in the midst of COVID, hundreds of thousands of pounds of Halloween candy in a typical <laughs> year where, yes, I'm not, I've I never seen anything like it. Like, <laughs> typically 400,000 pounds of candy. And that comes from 6,000 different community organizations across the country. Wow. Everyone you can think of. Now think about if they took that candy and instead of sending it us to put in care packages, they they went to a police department or a fire department where they, they talked to a doctor or nurse that they knew and said, hey, this is for your hospital. Just, you know, take it there and, you know, have a piece of candy a day. Don't eat too much because we don't need <laughs> you guys to, to be slowed down in your jobs. But my, my point is, if we can do that, and we do this, I mean, we do this all, all the time with our scarves, with our bracelets and our letters. Imagine if we start making those connections at the local level and people start to hand things off. We, we at Operation Gratitude have created an ambassador program and there is a young, there is a young uh, military spouse named Sarah Field. Back in March of 2019, she was the recipient of Operation Gratitude's Kindness. And our volunteers' kindness. And children in her husband's squadron received these stuffed bears called battalion buddies that our volunteers make across the country. Three months later, she came to Philadelphia as a volunteer and paid it forward. And she helped assemble 10,000 care packages for every police officer, every firefighter, and every EMT in Philadelphia. You know, a, a couple months later, she helped us write a blog about her experience. A couple months later, during COVID, she delivered battalion buddies to another squadron at her husband's uh, military installation, giving back to children in the unit whose parents were deployed. And listen to this, on October 28th, on First Responder Appreciation Day, she, as one of our first ambassadors, organized a community-wide event for first, uh, an appreciation luncheon for 75 first responders, police officers, firefighters, and EMTs in a local town just outside of the military installation. Restaurants involved, local businesses involved, citizens involved, the mayor, the local chamber of commerce as one of our ambassadors. That That mark is how you get to the next phase of bridging divides.
1: That really is incredible, and it it obviously... I think nicely encapsulates all of the different ways that individuals can work with Operation Gratitude to do exactly what you're describing, to be of service, to bridge those divides, to start those conversations. You've mentioned a couple of things. You've mentioned the volunteer virtual opportunities. You've mentioned the ambassador program. We're going to have links to all of those in the show notes. When people ask you, though, where do you like to send somebody who says, I'm hearing about this for the first time? I want to learn more. Where do you like to send them online and on social media?
0: I mean, operationgratitude.com is our main page, and we've created the page so people can easily find the things uh, that they want to do to give back. And again, this is, sometimes it's a hands-on volunteer opportunity, sometimes it's as uh, simple as to donate. I mean, one of the things that, that brought us together too, after we talked for the very first time, is Cal Fire was ex- California was experiencing significant fires. And you reached out to us. Why? You reached out to us because you wanted to recognize people who were serving your community and putting themselves in harm, harm's way and rushing to the danger. And you know, you tried. To, you are mobilizing the community to give back, and that will allow Operation Gratitude to, in the future, ship items up to, up to the, the Bay Area to recognize their service. Now, will it be after the fires? After they're done with the fight? Yeah. That's okay too. It doesn't have to be in the middle of the worst possible time to try to deliver pallets worth of care packages. Right. So there are so many ways people can get involved. I think it really in my mind, as I look at my first few years as the CEO of Operation Gratitude, it really has to be driven by the community they live in and the community they want to support. And when I say the community wanted, they, they, they wanted to support, it could be military, it could be a veterans organization, it could be a first responder. So uh, it really depends.
1: I, I love that you framed it as you don't have to be in the middle of the hyper acute situation to still be of service to a person, to a community or to an organization. And, you know, you, you, your, your team was so amazing when we kind of ask, can we set up a dedicated page for Cal Fire when we were in the midst of wildfire season? And by the time this episode goes up, hopefully we'll have gotten some good rain. We have, I think, rain forecast for day after tomorrow. And that really does sort of bring the curtain down on wildfire season. It's It's been a long and a hard one this year, but that momentum is what we want to keep up. And I think that's one of the things I admire the most about Operation Gratitude is you've built this sustained momentum that now can really branch in all these different directions, be self-sustaining, and and most importantly, be welcome. Coming. that like you said it doesn't matter who what where you are there's 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 a place for you and there's work to be done for for all of that for the way you've talked about this stuff for the way you've helped me work through some of these difficult things as well Kevin thank you so much this was really extraordinary
0: I really enjoyed uh, talking to you today mark and talking to your listeners and again appreciate the opportunity right it's the same thing I talked about when you get a chance to share um, and people listen then good things will happen.
1: I I totally agree. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mark. My thanks once again to Kevin for joining us on this episode of Explore the Space Podcast. Definitely check out the show notes. Links to all of those resources are there. The virtual volunteerism, all of the different things that you can do and look at to learn more and to be part of what Operation Gratitude is all about. This is a wonderful episode for people who are not in healthcare to have a better understanding of how they can think about and support those who are. Operation Gratitude is doing work that is one of many resources, but it's that mindset that Kevin talks about that I think and hope can be very, very effective. Thanks again, also to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu/chee. As we move into the winter months, as we continue to wade through the COVID nineteen pandemic, just want to remind everyone to please continue to take care of yourselves. Wear your masks, maintain physical distancing, get your flu shot if you haven't done so already. Wash your hands. Look out for the people next to you. We will see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.